Spoiler Janty. And I'm Marcus Azati. And this is Passport Necessary, a podcast dedicated to growing up as a TCK and how it's affecting us now as adults. And today we are actually going to be doing an interview. This is our second interview. We're very excited uh, with Jonathan Rosado. Hello. <laughs> hey. Uh, so Jonathan Rosado is, uh, with all transparency, he's my partner. Um, we have been together for a little over five years now. Um, and what I think is interesting is for, you know, according for this podcast is the fact that, um, uh, Jay, we'll call you Jay since that's, that's it's weird for me to call you Jonathan. <laughs> uh, Jay is not a TCK. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to talk about, um, TCK versus non-TCKs living together and, you know, how there might be differences within communication styles and all that jazz. So, Jay, do you want to, like, briefly introduce yourself, like, where you're from, where you grew up? Sure. Uh, so, I'm from Queens, New York. I lived in and around New York for 30 years, and the last four-plus years, we've been in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yes. I'm an only child, I guess. That would be important to mention. Yeah, I think that that also affects it because I grew up with siblings. Marcus, you grew up with siblings. Yeah, two younger siblings, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think that also changes the way that, you know, as TCKs we grew up. I think that's a part of being a TCK that's a single child versus a TCK who has siblings. I think that does shift your experience a little bit. Um <laughs> So I guess one of the things that would be good to start off with is I don't remember when we first met um, how quickly you learned that I was not like I am American, but I didn't live most of my life in America. I'm sure it had something to do with discussing like some pop culture reference or something that, you know, I take for granted that everyone knows. And then you informed me that. Oh, well, I didn't grow up here. I didn't know what that was. And I think what's funny is that actually because of the fact that I'm a TCK, we didn't realize our age difference for a long time because so often it would be like, oh, you would know what this thing is. And I would say, no, I didn't live here. And instead of it being because of my age, it was because I didn't live here. You don't know what that is. (laughs) Um, But I think, I think guess, I guess something that would be interesting is is there something sometimes when I'm communicating because I grew up in different places that you find um, positive and then something that you find negative or not positive and negative because that has like emotional connotations to it, but something that you find interesting versus frustrating? Um. <laughs> That's careful what you say. I know. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not careful. I'm, I'm, I'm I am kidding. genuinely curious. Is like, but you mean like communicating directly with me, or how I watch you communicate with other people? Well, that's good. Differentiating between you and I together versus with other people. Um. Well, I mean, it all depends on the relationship you have with the person you're speaking with. Like, if they know your history, you might not go into it every time to explain where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. That seems to be like a token thing that has to come up whenever you're explaining anything from your perspective that you have to preface it with, oh, well, I wasn't here. I wasn't born here. I was in this country around that time and so on and so forth. That does seem to be a element of conversation that happens quite often where we'll have a discussion with someone and they'll be like, oh, you remember this when we were in high school? And I'm like, no, because I wasn't living in the U.S. at that time. Um, so, I, yeah, it's not something that I really notice I do. But, yeah, I guess that is something I do fairly often is constantly have to couch like I was not in the country during this long period of my life. Yeah. And if you wanted something that's like uh, negative adjacent, if you learned to use that... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is at like having the ability to judge when to do that. Like mm-hmm. not everyone mm-hmm. that you come in contact with, you know, would want that whole backstory. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes it could be like 
if I see where the where the conversation's going, I'll think, uh, uh oh, they're getting too deep. <laughs> they're getting too deep. They're gonna start asking too many questions, and then it's gonna ha- it's all gonna come out. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, that would if if there was anything you wanted me to compare it to, that could be it. It's just, you know, like gauging people's reactions or like if they're saying, "Oh, remember that thing in high school?" That's your moment to decide. Okay, do I just smile and nod? Like, yeah, I remember. Or, <laughs> oh, yeah, I gotta tell him. I gotta let him know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the moment. Yeah, um, I, I think. I it, su- go ahead. I suppose, like, still being in the New York area, though, there are some things that you you will have more of a reference point to some other sort of like slightly different cultural things anyway, because there are so many people coming into the area mm-hmm. and you will see different things. So I, I don't know whether you think maybe it's slightly easier sort of dealing with somebody who's, well, not dealing with, but, you know, <laughs> communicating. I'll change this. I'll rephrase that. Yeah. Communicating <laughs> with somebody who's from somewhere else. No, I do think that. I mean, we were talking, we always talk about that. I mean, ever since relocating to Buffalo, there, that's even though it's still New York, it's a totally different bubble of new york i could say where you know it this doesn't function a lot of people here don't communicate or function the way new yorkers you know people from the five boroughs would communicate and i definitely think that you know i'm more open-minded to people from everywhere people with different backstories Mm -hmm. and you know that that doesn't throw me off as much as i think it would for other people like yeah i know there are some people layla's spoken to here where she tells them that and their minds are like blown like they can't even comprehend (laughs) that type of background like oh my god how did you do that like how did you exist you know it's like yeah you 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 learn to grow like (laughs) you know when faced with any option you're gonna you know find a way for yourself to get through it it's not like it doesn't you don't think of it as that much of a challenge you know Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i think another thing that's interesting is even though you are, you grew up here in the States, you are American, you're a New Yorker, that's really what you identify with the most, you still ch- changed housing locations quite often. So I mean, you, you moved, choice, yeah. I know, but you moved <laughs> fairly frequently. So like the idea of moving is not something that is strange to you. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean, like going back to that, like I more or less moved within the bubble. I keep using that term, but Mm -hmm. within that frame of reference where it wasn't that much of a change of lifestyle Mm -hmm. or surroundings rather, or the people that grew up in those surroundings, you're all kind of like-minded in the way that, you know, we were aware from day one that there's other people in the world, not just the five houses in our on our block, yeah. you know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, have you found sort of like moving to Buffalo that it is a sort of like a slightly smaller oh, kind absolutely. of mindset? Yeah. I mean, I know Buffalo identifies itself as a city and that makes mm-hmm. sense in the scheme of what's around Buffalo. But the mentality is so small town mentality. It's like yeah. if you're not from here, you pick up on that right away. Yeah. You know, right. whether yeah. it comes to looking for a job or trying to socialize or like find your group, it's so insular. And, yeah. You know, mm. it can be very hard to crack into that, especially right away. It's going to take time. That you need patience yeah. for that. You know, I think a big part of Buffalo living and any like big city that is still not a major metropolis like New York, London, Paris, I think a big part of a big city is that a lot of times, people are still connected in some way. So like you'll be in Buffalo and someone will be like, oh, I went to this and this high school. Someone will be like, oh, my cousin went there. My brother went there. Like (laughs) somewhere in some way, these people still are connected, even if it's in like a a two, uh, what, no, what's the thing? Two degrees. Mm -hmm. Even if they're like detached by two degrees, they still are aware of the other person's presence in a vague way. Whereas in New York, like you will see hundreds of people every single day and you most likely will never see them again. Mm-hmm. Like there is that kind of I mean, there, there is anonymity. A, a small, I mean, there, there's a small world factor that happens in the city. Mm-hmm. It's more surprising when you end up bumping into someone that you haven't seen in a long time, but it's like, Oh man, out of all these millions of people, I ran into you today. You know, whereas in <laughs> Buffalo, it's like, well, yeah, of course I saw that person again. Like, where else would they be? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you kind of see the same people over and over yeah. again. 
unless you in the city, unless you frequent the exact same places you go there every single day, the likelihood of you constantly running into the same people is pretty rare. Yeah, like the same strangers mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think another another thing I wanted to get into because you did get the opportunity um, to travel with me. Um, but that was much later, you know, you were already an adult, very aware of like your identity. It wasn't mm-hmm. being developed still. Whereas I think for us, our identities were being still shaped while we were not in our home country. Um, mm. so I'm curious for you, what was your experience being outside of your home country? Um, I mean, I didn't, it's hard to explain it, I guess. I don't, I don't think of it as it being a huge you know, earth-shattering experience where it's like, oh, my God, where am I? It, it was not <laughs> like... It was also, I think, because it was Paris, not like, you know, um, I don't know, name another area that's vastly... I'm sorry? Le Bateau in Mongolia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be... That could be a totally different experience, but I guess because it was still like a metropolis vibe, once I understood how the city was broken down and how, you know, things were connected, it was kind of just like, okay... This is just another version of what I'm used to, you mm. know? Yeah. Um, th- I mean, obviously, there were difficulties with language and, you know, communication where if you weren't there, I would have failed miserably. <laughs> so I'm interested for that. Was that very frustrating for you, not sure. being able to speak the language? Of course. Not being able to read the language, I think, is more frustrating because <laughs> um, you can kind of at least take, you know, uh, nonverbal cues from people if you don't mm. speak the language. But if you're com- coming to like reading menus or reading directions, that gets complicated and frustrating, especially if the people around you are expecting you to just know what's what's what, you know. So yeah. that could be very difficult. A very common uh, conversation that happened to us when when Jay was visiting Paris with me was I would take the menu, I would quickly go through the menu, I would say, okay, there's this, this, and this, what do you want? He would go, there looks like there's way more on the menu. And I'm like, I'm telling you, you only want this, this, or this, pick one. (laughs) He would go, okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or like even like something as simple as asking for like a burger to be well done is like, how do I ask that? Is that insulting to them? Like, are they going to look at Oh, no, it is. I know, exactly. So, yeah, that can be frustrating. That's why my favorite place that we went to more than once was that um, Canadian, French-Canadian bar. Oh, it was like, you love oh, that This place. kind of felt like home. <laughs> like, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like too many degrees <laughs> off of, like, what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think I relish being in a place that I don't know. There's something to me that's very exciting. I can get that if it's a long-term visit. Like, if, to me, if it's a short-term thing, I only have a certain amount of days, a certain amount of hours mm-hmm. to get this figured out and to get the most out of the experience. I don't have the time to, like, you know, get lost in that wonder. You know, like, I can understand that perspective. Like, if I would, went to Australia for a month, totally, I would totally feel that way, where it's just, like, everything's a mystery, mm-hmm. you know? But <laughs> if I'm, like, only have two weeks or a week and a half to be somewhere, it's kind of like I want to get down to brass tacks as quick as possible, you know? Yeah. Because I went back to Japan sort of February 2020, and it's just like how much stuff you just cram into the two weeks that you're there. It's just, it, and it isn't the same as actually kind of living in the place. Yeah. It, yeah, you, you're kind of looking at, oh, well, there's this restaurant, we'll go to that one, we'll go to this temple, we'll go to this city, we'll do all this sort of stuff. And I think while I was there, I was something like, I think it was something like four different cities in two weeks, which is, for tourist stuff, is pretty heavy going. I mean, I don't think anybody, generally speaking, unless they've got a specific job, would end up doing that sort of thing, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I vibe with that when it comes to New York City and people who aren't from there, Hmm. where, you know, if they have an agenda in their head of like, all right, I got to hit all these tourist spots, you're never going to hit everything, even if you do just those things. And I always try to, like, navigate away from that. Like, here's a list of other things that you really should check out since you're there. Like, you know, you don't have to go do all these things unless you really want to, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that can fill up your whole trip very quickly, you know? So. Yeah, yeah it, it gets very easy to, um, to kind of overwhelm yourself yeah. when you're in another country. Right. And I think that's part of the reason people get afraid of traveling is that feeling it's of... Intimidating. Yeah, it, it is intimidating. Mm-hmm. If you have no experience traveling before... 
and suddenly either you're on your own or you're with another person and they don't know that visiting country, that can be very intimidating. Yeah, because you, you, I think you walk mm-hmm. around and navigate the space like, I don't want to do something wrong. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, insult anyone by accident or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, and you don't want to waste your time either. You don't want to spend your time doing something that's not fully interesting or something that you're like, eh, that was all right. When there's many things mm-hmm. that are right up your alley that are like, oh, my God, this is only here. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess an, another thing for you that's interesting is within New York, there's such an accessibility of non-American culture. There is mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that would not fall under the category of like, quote unquote, traditional American. So what I'm curious is growing up, what were certain things that you knew 100% were not of an American origin, but you were fascinated by? It could be food, it could be culture, but, like, things that you grew up and you're like, this is something I really like. Um, I don't know if I... I don't know if I would think of things in that context. Like, um, like it's kind of just, like, the things that I guess I took for granted in terms of how multicultural everything was, how certain things in my environment were always staples, and I don't didn't think twice of like, oh, that must be like a mosque or that must be of another religious background. Like, you know, that stuff never even like occurred to me that that was out of place or if it if to other people might think, oh, my God, like how people in Buffalo, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to keep shitting on Buffalo. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to. <laughs> but like, I understand how there's certain the aspect of like being in a bubble your whole life or being only limited to these 10 miles can skew your perspective to things like that where you know if we go outside to another town where there's one block that is multicultural or culturally different that scares people and they're like oh my god I can't read any of the storefronts or anything like that and to me I'm like so like what (laughs) sure like that's fine I'm sure they have ways to translate that for you if you go there if you want and if you want something but that shouldn't discourage you from like walking down that block or driving through or stopping and seeing what's going on. And I, you know, I feel like that coming from the city, you know, I don't even think twice of things like that. Yeah. All different towns and little villages in New York that are dedicated to one culture or another. Oh yeah. Like there's Flushing, which is like a huge Asian population lives there. It used to be just Chinese, but there's like Korean, Vietnamese, like it's a very large East Asian, East Asian population that lives in Flushing. But then there's also like areas where there's a large Arab community and there's areas where there's, you know, a lot of European people settled there. There's huge like French culture centers where it's like all the French families kind of just live in this certain area. So I think that's something that I actually miss sometimes living in Buffalo, especially having lived in East Asia. I think there are times where I truly miss and crave East Asian food. And I don't Mm -hmm. know that that's something that necessarily translates to Jay because I like, there are times where I legitimately am craving like shabu shabu and hot pot or like, like very specific dishes that because we live in an area that is so predominantly white, <laughs> we we don't have that access. Well, I feel that way, especially with like Greek food. Like oh my gosh. Food. Yeah. Growing up, spending a good amount of my youth in Astoria, like that's, that's everywhere. That was little Greece at one point, you know, in that area's history. So it's like to go from having access to that limitless access to that in different varieties to not really having any, like, they exist here, but they're not authentic or they're not, you know, the food's not prepared the same way and it's, like, yeah. noticeable. And it's like, oh, man, I really got spoiled living there for so long. Because <laughs> you know. you've, you've had spit meat, right? Like, the meat where it turns around. Oh, yeah. So that's not a thing in western New York? Well, it's not a thing. It's, like, illegal in Erie County. Because apparently if the meat doesn't get used that day, they have to throw it out due to, like, food safety precautions. So Mm. places that do, like, Middle Eastern food and do that gyro style of meat, they just don't do it because they're like, we're going to waste meat, so we just won't even do it. 
that's kind of like a thing that, you know, kind of thinking like in York, there's some people who go, what do you mean? We're not allowed to don a kebab. Right. Even in York, which is still a pretty small sort of like town, really, it's like 200,000 people, but you still have a kebab shop pretty much on every corner. You've got right. to have it. Yeah. It's just like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting one. I hadn't, yeah. Because how big is Buffalo? It's like, how many people? It's a, I think the size? last time I looked it up, I forget what year the population was recorded from, but it was like 200 and I think 80,000 people. And that's the second, oh, yeah. that's the second largest in the state. That's what's crazy. Okay. So you have like 9 million people in the city. And then the second largest city is 280,000. That's like, <laughs> it's not yeah, even okay. close. There's like, there's 8.8 million people difference between the two. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it, it just doesn't compare. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It's I mean, I, I, you know, I get the appeal and the allure of that if that's all you ever knew and that's what you grew up with. Mm. You know, like, it's just all a matter of experience and different things would be scary. Just like if I was a kid and I moved to Buffalo and all of a sudden everything, my world was shrunken down. That would mm. be scary to me. But like, wait, this is it? Like, there's nothing else? <laughs> like, I can't get on a bus or a train and go somewhere for the day? Like... This yeah. is weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's sort of like comparing sort of like York to London or something like that. You kind of think in London you've got huge numbers of different sorts of groups of people from all over the world. So Southeast, South Asians and then uh, East Asians and all that sort of stuff are there. The people from Eastern and Western Europe and all that sort of stuff. I think London has, maybe, or at the time, had something like the second highest population of French people in the world or something like that. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was of something course. strange. But it was but like, so you've got this huge city that sort of like sits in Britain because I think the United Kingdom is roughly, in terms of geographical size, about the same size as New York State, I think. Oh, maybe we looked slightly it up bigger. once. Yeah, I forgot we did, didn't we? look it up, but I don't remember. Um, I, I think there isn't that much of a difference, but the thing is, is that same sort of thing is that everybody gravitates towards London, which is about 9 million people. Oh, yeah. And then the rest of the country is quite... Um, apart from places like Birmingham, Manchester, you don't quite get the same sort of density of different groups of people. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because like people from outside of London are really frightened of all sorts of stuff that they come across and go, what, <laughs> you mean we're going we're gonna to have to eat raw fish? So, yeah, the Japanese do it all the time. So you can't do that. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it's just like they get so panicked. And it's just kind of like coming from sort of like being in backgrounds that are more multicultural, more diverse and broader. It's just interesting how when you arrive in a place where people aren't used to it, how frightened they are. Yeah, how opposed they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, opposition is actually pretty a good a good word. It's mm-hmm. it's they really don't like it. It's really strange. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it it's very odd. Um I actually looked it up because I was very curious. New York mm. State is only um is slightly bigger. Uh sorry no Yes, New York State is slightly bigger. It's 54,000 uh, square miles, give or take, mm-hmm. whereas England is 50,000 square miles. So in kilometers, okay. New York is 141.3 thousand kilometers squared, whereas England is 130.2 kilometers squared, thousand kilometers squared. Okay. So it's it's... Pretty close. Yeah, yeah it, it, it would be comparable, but this um, population population is totally different. <laughs> like, oh, right, okay. oh, like England is like three times the population of New York. Okay. But it's just the state. Like, that's also the thing. The dense, it's a density thing where like a, a big part of New York state, I don't think a lot of people realize there's large portions of the U.S. which are mountains. Yes. Yeah, and wooded areas. Whereas England doesn't have any. Yeah, (laughs) there's like straight up mountains. There's huge fields. Like New York State is quite diverse within its like um, within the land type. So I can't think of the word. Right. Yeah, like I couldn't think of what the word is. So I just said the land type. Um, But I think for you, going back to like living with someone who is a TCK, are there times where like growing like stories of you growing up, they just like, it's very hard to understand versus like my stories of growing up. Well, do you like, 
How do you mean? Because like you're making it sound like I wouldn't understand my stories. No, I'm <laughs> saying my stories. Like if I tell like a story from when I'm growing up and I'm trying to explain it, like how I lived in Guatemala or living in Japan and like trying to explain it, does it sometimes like, is it confusing or is it something where it's like you're trying to understand, but it feels like there's still a gap? Uh, I don't know. I kind of just, I think I just have a, an outsider's perspective of it when you're explaining it. Like I'll, I'll take what you're telling me and force it into a context I'm familiar with. And then it's like, okay, I can understand that. I can digest what that is. Cause I don't think anything that you're, you've experienced is all that different from, you know, a streamlined living in the same area or same uh, school district and going through the same motions. It's just in a different place. And it's also because, you know, didn't you guys also go to schools that were also kind of catered to your home country's I kind of did, but Marcus has a very different education experience than I had. Because I, because I went to, initially I went to what was Kyoto International School. I think it's still there. So that was kind of like, it's a, a, the proportion of the people who went there tended to be far more Japanese, but it tended to be catered towards a more American style of education. Mm -hmm. Then going to Canadian Academy or CA, the thing is, is that you had far greater influence in terms of the number of people who were from the States but you also had people who were coming from India and stuff like that. So I think it was probably more diverse. But mm -hmm. the thing is, it was, it was catered towards people who were from the U.S. And definitely I'm not from the U.S., as you can right. probably hear. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, so it, it's a different thing. It's, I suppose for me, is my family background's a little bit strange. So I have like three generations, certainly on my mother's side, who have people who moved out of the country they lived in to live somewhere else. Mm. And then, so me being the third generation, it's kind of like that's what she kind of knew. So she was used to the idea of kind of working, certainly I think in an American framework to an extent, because being in Iran, I think a lot of the people who were there would, would be wealthy Americans who were trying to make some money out of whatever it was. Like my grandfather worked in textiles, but I'm assuming that there probably were a lot of American companies who would have been interested in that because why not? Mm -hmm. And then in Japan, the thing is, is that the big company, certainly for the second school I went to, uh, the company that gave a lot of money and support to it was Procter & Gamble. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of Americans would come over and they wanted an American-style education for obvious reasons because they want to send their kids back to, you know, whichever state, you know, whichever university they, they wanted to send them to in the States. So you had a much more American culture there, plus having the Japanese culture and then having a more British culture at home. So it's a bit... It's different. Um... And I think it's kind of interesting just kind of like comparing certainly different cultures, particularly English-speaking cultures to each other. Because when you come across different English speakers, they do have very different cultural ideas. It's just the language is the same. Mm -hmm. But even the language becomes different after a while. It's just, it's really interesting. I don't know. It's just like British people always assume that Americans are going to understand them simply because they understand the language. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to understand American culture automatically being British. If you went over to the States, you'd probably go, what the hell are they doing? I don't understand. <laughs> right, it's like, yeah. cause, <laughs> whereas like, Americans coming to Britain are just going, what are they doing? I don't get this. Yeah. So no, what it's, are they doing? It's very different. And I think for me, school-wise, I had a different schooling than Marcus where I actually started off within the French system. And then um, I moved into the American system in my fourth grade, I want to say. So that was a little confusing. And I know that that sometimes affects my language mm -hmm. where there are times where I'll speak and I know I'm not constructing it in the proper way because I learned French first and I was in the French system for a bit. So there are times where like my brain is literally thinking in French, but what I'm saying comes out in English. So I'll have things that get worded differently or I won't know the exact term I'm trying to use. So I'll approximate. Um, but I think the benefit of having had the schooling that we've had is we were exposed to a lot of different cultures, but you are correct in saying that our high schools were geared more towards an American style of schooling. Like yeah. it was ninth, 10th, 11th grade. You had to pass your high school diploma. The biggest difference was that we had the international baccalaureate, mm -hmm. which is a oh, yeah, style of education that actually more closely resembles the English system 
Um, well, I think it's. I think it actually oh, more resembles a sort of a French or European. System French or European, than, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because it doesn't. It doesn't. It that definitely doesn't feel British at all. Mm-hmm. Which is which is weird because the British you have A levels and you only do three A levels. I think mm-hmm. this shows you how much I know about the British education system. <laughs> uh, but they. Um, but it's much less in depth, and you only have the three, and it, they keep changing it over here. So I don't even know what the rules are from year to year. They just alter them all the time. But it's a different system, and I think I certainly don't. I'm a little bit suspicious of the British education system, partly because of having done the IB. I'm sort of like, why are they only do three? The lazy buggers. <laughs> That's, do more. That is how I felt when I found out about my uh, other colleagues when I was in my second high school. There were certain mm. of those kids who were doing AP courses, um, and AP courses drove me crazy because I did the full IB, and when I came to college here in the states. There were, I did not get that many credits taken off from college because I took the IB and it wasn't recognized really by a lot of universities, whereas AP is recognized by everyone. So I knew a bunch of kids who were like, oh yeah, I took like two AP courses and I got like all these credits taken off. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I basically did like college (laughs) for two years in high school and I'm just getting the basic English course taken off. Like that's it. That's the only credits that Jesus. I got for doing the IB. And I was like, I'm so glad I did that. Actually, I am glad because it made my college life a lot easier. Um, mm. So in that sense, I think the education is slightly different, but it is the same in the sense that it is very American-based. Mm. The one big difference I would say is that when it comes to the history, I think it's far more Eurocentric when you're doing international schooling. Well, sure, but I mean, like, uh, as, I wasn't thinking of specifics in terms of, like, the education part of it. I'm thinking of, like, the human part of it. Like, mm. what your trajectory was as a youth is kind of mirrored mostly with what I grew up with. Especially, I guess, again, it goes back to being from the city. If I was from a suburb yeah. or, like, the middle of the country, I might have a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, again, more insular and you see... you go through all the grades with the exact same people mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. There's no change. But, um, but yeah, like, again, uh, if you were... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, we're having cat issues. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot. Maybe I lose my train of thought. Um, well, I was going to pick up on what you were saying with the fact that I think one of the big differences for kids who are TCKs is we're used to having friends for only one year, if that. Like, we're very used to people leaving and coming and going within our lives. Like, that's very common for us. And I think another element that makes it slightly different is that we always had very small class sizes. Like, my class size, my graduating class was 55 kids. Yeah, that's My class size when I was at CA, at Canadian Academy, was around 50 kids. So, like, it was always small. It was always quite intimate. Like, I knew every single person's name in my class. Whereas for most of my American friends, from what I've understood, they have gone to schools that were always big, where, like, it would be in the thousands, it would be in, like, the hundreds, if not the thousands as a class size. But that's also, it depends on where they're from. Like, that's definitely the Mm -hmm. case in a city or a metropolis because... That's just how the education is. Like, unless you're rich or you can afford to be in a place that has small class sizes and small um, graduation sizes, it's like public schools are going to have hundreds of kids graduating every year just based on population density. You know, like, no queen school that is free is going to have a class size of, like, 55 (laughs) people. (laughs) You know, like, that's just not going to happen. But that's also, yeah, like, if you're talking to people who came from that similar background or a similar city type background, they're all going to have that same experience where it's like, you were, there's no way you knew everybody. So that was your experience growing up. You yeah. were always in very big classes. Yeah. I mean, we were overcrowded all the time. Like that was always a concern throughout my years, except maybe, maybe in elementary school that was kind of, they had a handle on it. Cause it was, I was living in a smaller town that was, they managed how many kids were in a class. It was always like 30 or something each, but there were like four classes at grade. So oh, it was yeah. still like over a hundred kids at grade. Yeah. Know? No, I, I genuinely think when I think back on my class sizes, I think the biggest class I ever 
was in was a class size of 55 kids. I really genuinely don't think I was in anything bigger than that. Yeah. But I mean, it's supposed to kind of like, is a, is a kind of a, um, as you were saying, it's a kind of an economic thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, you know, how much money do you have will, will affect how many people have to be in a class size. It's, it's why they sort of like talk about Oxford being fantastic is because partly because literally the classes that somebody, so if you, if you're going into a class about, um, I don't know, uh, let's say you're doing Roman history or something like that and you're doing something on that, the class size will be tiny. There'll be a very, very small number of people. And I know that for a lot of schools and stuff like that, they want the class sizes to be smaller so they can have more one-on-one time with the students. Oh, yeah. I suppose it's. I suppose maybe a TCK thing is maybe one of the things is that you probably do come from a background where parents do think about education differently. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they but do. But it might be options. Yeah, there's more of a focus on the quality, not like mm. just going through the motions. I think it's mm. very easy to fall into that, you know, thought process of okay, well, this grade's third grade, get through third grade, <laughs> next yeah. grade's fourth grade. Like it's just, you know, it only gets complicated when you're older and you have to take like statewide exams or mm-hmm. you know regents courses and stuff like that. But even then, it's yeah. kind of just like just pass them. Just through them, yeah. you know, like <laughs> this isn't the be all end all. There's so much more after this. Like, yeah, there's more focus on the after years. Yeah, I think a lot mm-hmm. more TCKs are used to education is very important and you need to get a good education. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge element that happens with TCKs because um, very often TCKs are if they are living in a country because of work for their parents, the likelihood of their parents being the company that is having the parents go to this other country, they are most likely paying for that education. Yeah, yeah that's true. Again, that's why Procter & Gamble was so important to Canadian Academy in Japan. Just, the other thing is, is that, to, you know, you do hear a lot of times that people will send their children away to be educated as well. They'll send them back to the country of origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the question I had is, like, do, do you two find that sometimes that having people who've had slightly different upbringings and different experiences with one of you living abroad and one of you living in the States, do you find that there are times when one person has an idea of how to solve a problem based on their experience that is easier for them than it is for the other, if you know what I mean? Are you able to sort of like find ways of working together that actually mean that you find solutions to problems that would be unusual in comparison to other people? I think so. I couldn't like pick an exact example, but I, Mm. I definitely, I think also part of it is that the idea of falling into a traditional way of living, it has no interest for us. Um, Mm. so like, yes, like I identify as female, he identifies as male. We're both, um, cis heterosexual uh, well he's cis hetero i'm um bisexual um but i think the idea of falling into a traditional way of life holds no interest for us so i think mm. coming up with solutions and thinking in things in different ways is quite normal for us and i i think another element is that we're also very communicative as partners um mm. which I'm naturally very communicative. <laughs> like I, I like to talk to people. I like sharing stories and that kind of thing. Um, and you also are very big on being explicit about what you're looking to get and what you're like trying to find out or you're very aware of other people, which I think makes for a good balance. Whereas I'm very likely to just kind of go and do something and he's more likely to sit think about it, process it, and then take action. So mm. it, it, ta- it like kind of encourages ourselves. Like I push him a little bit outside of his boundaries and have him try new things. And he kind of reels me in and goes, Hey, maybe process first and then we'll take the smart mm-hmm. action and then be able to do it. Cause there are times where I'll be like, let's just go do it. And then it's like, that was maybe not a good idea, but it's already done. <laughs> <laughs> like it's too late to fix it. Um, so in that way, I think it, it works out for us. And he also helps me out with context where like, because I didn't mm-hmm. grow up in the States, there are times where like, we'll be having conversations with people or we'll be having discussions. And I have no idea what is being discussed 
or what we're getting into or like the context of the conversation. And it'll be something where like either then and there he'll like pull me aside and say like, this is what we're talking about. Or he'll send me a text or later Mm -hmm. I'll be like, what was that all about? And he'll be like, this is where it comes from. This, this, and this, and this, which is invaluable to me because there are so many times where I, I like being part of the group and kind of understanding what's going on. So having someone who is in the group in a way who can say, Oh, I know what the context is. Let me fill you in is invaluable to me. Like that really Mm -hmm. does help me out. Yeah. I think our, our relationship is kind of an anomaly in that like I, don't have any like strict views on things or like ideas of like processes or things that have to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. So that kind of opens things up to kind of just be a free flowing discussion as all right, well, this is how I kind of feel about it. What do you feel about it? Oh, you don't feel that way. All right, let's meet halfway then. You know, yeah. like I don't yeah. have anything that's like, I always do this on this day for this reason. You must do it with me. Like, I have to make you understand this. Yeah. The only thing I can even think of that's kind of close to that is hockey. And I've come to like hockey. So that's not like a religious experience or like, you know. Well, hockey's a religious experience for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a disease. (laughs) Like any sort of fandom. It's just, you know, you love it, you hate it. It is what it is. But like, it's not like I have anything where... You know, every March 20th is this day and I have to do what I have to do on this day no matter what happens. You know, like, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm very open to just be like, all right, well, I understand that things happen and, you know, you got to go with the motions, you know. I I do think that there are certain dates that have greater importance to you or that you are more willing to put a lot of effort into. Like, we've kind of talked about how like there are certain holidays that for me I value a lot. Like I love Mardi Gras. I love Halloween and you also like Halloween. So that works out. Um, but like Christmas is really big for you, but you also have a history with Christmas. Like you grew up celebrating Christmases and that was something that was done in your family. Whereas for me, it's not as important. Um, so I think it's interesting how like there are certain, things that because you have a history and a past with it, we're more likely to like celebrate it, but we've done our own version of it. Yeah. I was going to say, even with that, that's an anomaly because it's not like I, I mean, even though I come from a half hardcore Italian family that has (laughs) absolutely nothing to do with my attachment to the holiday. Mm -hmm. I don't even really care about, you know, the traditional representation of what the holiday is. It's just like, to me, it's still like, more showing appreciation for the people that you love the most or like people that are closest to you and, you know, expressing that across all people, not like specifically on like a birthday where, all right, it's this person's birthday. I want to show them what they mean to me by doing something nice or getting them something nice. That's like an excuse to do that for all the people that are in your circle. You know? Yeah. It has really, really yeah. nothing to do with the religious aspect or anything. <laughs> it's kind of just like that comes with the territory because... It is what it is. Like, we'll still put up a fake tree. You know, we'll go through those motions of, like, those traditions that I grew up with, I guess. But it doesn't hold mm-hmm. the same symbolism that it did. It's kind of just, like, nostalgia. You mm-hmm. know? Like, those parts yeah. of it are very nostalgic. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting for us as a couple is that although... I, and I'm very aware of the fact that I'm a TCK especially when it's not with you, when I'm having experiences with other people, there are a lot of times where I'm like, this would be a very different interaction if I was in this country. I don't know the context of this because I lived in this country. Like, I'm constantly going back to the way I grew up affecting my present. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't know if that affects you as much. Only in the recent years of living in a different area because mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. do that obsessively either in my own head or I'll talk to you about it where if we're in a social situation or if I see something happening all I can do is obsess over how I wouldn't have done that or how that would have gone down <laughs> way differently in Queens you know like or just like an interaction of like just trying to discuss something openly you know 
it would just be directed like, hey, do you like this or not? Not like, eh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I kind of oh, feel God. this way. It's like, <laughs> like, we don't have time for this. <laughs> just tell us what you want. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's just one of those things is because um, one of my colleagues is German and I was talking to her about this and she comes from Bavaria so I'm not sure how big Munich is actually but it's you know that kind of area of Germany that and Germans have a reputation for being well in Britain they call them rude but basically <laughs> direct. They're just they're just the direct yeah and I'm like that as well so I'm just like I'm, di- I'm direct it's just like, I can't I can't I haven't got time for this right. it's partly because of the way work works I suppose you just go this this is how it goes and you get people go you're being very direct it's like well, because you're not telling me what you want. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> I had somebody once come in. As I, I found it really frustrating because obviously it's a high pressure environment when you're in that kind of work. You're by yourself. You've got 15 minutes with this one person. You've got to work out what they want. You've got to get it right. Make sure they're okay. Send them off. And so this person, I said, she said, oh, I've got an appointment. I said, okay, yeah. I can see you've got an appointment. What piercings did you want? And she said, well, I didn't specify. So I know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> so, and she, like, you're just like, well, where do you want the piercings? Oh, I'm not really sure. I haven't thought about it. It's like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating. Exactly. Yep. It's so infuriating. It's like other people are kind of going, why are you getting upset about it? It's like, because it's really annoying. <laughs> right. It's such Can't a weird... stand it. Yeah. Like, that's like where the whole rumor or like, you know, uh, stereotype comes from of like New Yorkers being rude. And it's like 99% of the time they're not rude. They just have shit to do. Like they're going somewhere (laughs) and you're asking them a question that's like so like they're not thinking of you at that moment. Or, you know, they everything is time. You know, everyone, everything moves fast. You're always going somewhere. You're always doing something or thinking five steps ahead of what you're going to be doing. It's not a matter of being rude or being mean. It's kind of just like get to the point. (laughs) You know, like don't give give me a whole song and dance. What are the, you know who's, what's, where's, why's, and how's of what it is you're trying to understand. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can help you. I was going to say, I never found New York to be rude. Be, and I honestly, because a lot of the times, like if I got lost in New York or I needed help, there was always someone who is willing to help me or someone who would give me directions or who would be like, oh, like you don't know what's going on here. I'll quickly tell you. And then I'm going to disappear from your life forever. And that was fine with me. Like that was actually something that I really appreciated. Um, Cause sometimes in Japan, there was elements where as a foreigner, there's always a, a level of a barrier with communication, but also as a foreigner, they're far less willing to tell you no. Like culturally, saying mm-hmm. no is really frowned upon. So there would be times where you would try and do something, and instead of outright telling you no, they would say, oh, well, there's this other option. It would be like, but I want to do this thing. And instead of saying, you can't do this thing, they would say, well, we have this, or you could do this, instead of just straight out saying it um Mm. so there there is something i've always appreciated and enjoyed about new york is as long as you know where to go and you can get there quickly no one is going to be rude to you yeah (laughs) a good piece of advice if you've never been to the city or if you're going for the first time is try not to take any interaction personally it's kind of just understand where you are in context of that world and then maybe you might get an idea of like where other people are coming from. And, you know, like uh, during rush hour hours in the morning and the afternoon, you know, just stay out of the way. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. You know, try not to just stand in the middle of the road or in the middle of the street and take a picture. Like, wait until that's appropriate. You know, like you're going to get bad feedback from people if you're doing something that's kind of against what everyone around you is accepting as like the proper <laughs> way to behave you know because i think a lot of people see new york as a tourist place but they don't take into consideration the fact that new york people live there people work there Mm -hmm. like it it is a place of business it is a place of living and if you are in their way they're gonna yell at you it's like if you were in someone's house or on their street and you were just taking pictures of everyone's house someone's gonna come up to you and say like hey what are you doing yeah (laughs) it's the same idea like in in new york we take it for granted it's a tourist location so people are going there are going to be tourists but i think tourists don't keep in mind 
people live and work there and they have to be somewhere. Yeah, like visiting New York City is not like visiting Disney World or like Universal <laughs> Studios no. where like everything around you is catered to your experience. You yeah. Know? Like everyone around you is there for you. That's not what New York is <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know? There are parts of that and that even in that aspect there are people that are appearing that way just till they get your money. You know, but like... <laughs> Just, yeah, it's not the same experience. <laughs> it's a great place. I love it. I would always encourage yeah. people to visit. Just do research. You know, try not to think of it as, like, just a normal, you know, visiting place or, you know, an attraction. Like, it is still a living, breathing city that has a pulse and it has personality. And, yeah, yeah you know, that should be taken into consideration when visiting. Mm-hmm. I do have one thing that you have a solid, like, feeling about. And it's that New York pizza is the best pizza. Yeah. I'm not even going to argue. There's no argument to be made. It is what it is. You get a dollar slice in the city, and it's going to be better than most pizza you've had in your life. So, you know, there's different grades, obviously. And there's fancy pizza. There's whatever. But any pizza from New York City is going to be better Italy might be the only exception. I haven't been to Italy. I can't speak for them. <laughs> the homeland, they might have, you know, they have the great water. I know it, but yeah. They have the great that, water. <laughs> you know, I've been to Chicago. I love Chicago pizza. It's not pizza, but I love it. Delicious. <laughs> you know, it's great. L.A., got nothing. We're going to get a sorry. lot of angry <laughs> tweets from Chicago sorry. people. <laughs> I know. I love it. I do. I really enjoy deep dish pizza. It's great. I can't pick it up and eat it the way I'm used to. So by definition, that's not a slice, but you know, yeah. I mean, I just, all pizza is great. All pizza matters. I love pizza. All pizza matters. Oh my God. But I love New York pizza the most. That's my favorite one. It is. I, I do have to agree when it comes to like a thin crust, hot, delicious, cheap pizza, you cannot beat New York. No. I mean, that's the thing. Like I, we have a running theory of like, I, what is London known for, like, maybe the culinary world? Is there anything specific that you can think of? That's, like, if you go to London, London and you go to any or corner just, store. Any, is there something in England that's, like, England does this better than anybody else? Talking about English food, I mean, like. Um, Pasties. Well, I suppose there is that, yeah. But I, how many people would actually kind of go out and pick up a pasty? I don't I know. Pasties are yummy. I, I mean, have it's to kind say. of like the running, the running joke is essentially that what it is is just, you know, well, fish and chips. I suppose there's that. Yes. Okay. That's, anywhere you go in the UK, you'll have a good fish yeah, and chips. So that's the argument. Like, you yeah. can go anywhere in the UK and your fish and chips are going to be better than anywhere else you've been because that's <laughs> what they do the best. That's the case with New York and pizza and bagels. That's the case with buffalo and wings and <laughs> Seattle and coffee. Like, any, wherever that thing is, like that's their thing, like, that's their signature, mm-hmm. you, you should be able to go in any location, any price range, and still have the best experience out of whatever that is compared to where you're from. And that's where that I... That makes sense. Yeah, that's where I always put pizza and bagels in New York City up against other areas. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of the things I, I probably miss the most from New York is the diversity both in people and in food. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I so miss being able to go, so what do we want to eat tonight? We could do Indian, Thai, Korean, Japanese, and we only have to travel maybe a half hour. Like, like, <laughs> is that even within those, like, um, categories, there's all other branches of that category. Yeah, because you could say Indian, but then there's, like, very specific types of Indian. Mm. Are you going to go get mm. tandoori? Are you getting curry? Are you fast food? Is it sit down at a restaurant? Are you, you know, yeah. Is it yeah. fancy dining? Totally yeah. Here we have that same option, but it's like, do we go to that one Indian place or that other Indian place? Like, <laughs> if we want Indian, those are our options. These are, are we trying to go fast and cheap, or are we trying to have a good time and really enjoy our yeah. food? You know? Like, <laughs> So that's that's a huge difference. Yeah. But even like just the like true diversity within New York is kind of mind boggling and I don't think I really appreciated it while I was there. No, I definitely <laughs> definitely took a lot for granted growing up there. You know, I see mm-hmm. that more now than ever. And uh the only comparable city that we've been to recently is Toronto, where we know very okay. little about it, 
but it's so like open world like oh my god anything is possible here we could walk in any <laughs> direction and discover the most amazing food coffee little shop you know like mm-hmm. it's just the possibilities are endless and that's what i love about being in and around a city where you a know, big city yeah you're just you're never bored there's never nothing to do there's always option paralysis over what to do because it's just Oh my God! There's eight concerts going on tonight. Which one do we want to go to? Mm-hmm. Not, oh man, this band is finally stopping in our city for the first time in three years. We have to go. <laughs> you know, so, so two different worlds, two different experiences that yeah, yeah. totally opposed to each other. I think what's so interesting is that although you are an American, you grew up in the U.S. and that it has been most of your experience throughout your life. You are you're perfectly adapted to understanding a TCK because your background was so diverse. Like you grew up in a city where you were going to interact with other people, whether you wanted to or not. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, again, that's something from a small town mind that might be mind blowing, but to Mm -hmm. me and anyone who's grown up in the city, it's like, you know, you're going to, socialize and go to school with people that are not from the same country, not from the same city, not from the same town. Like they're just from everywhere. They don't all speak English. Like it's just, that's granted that that comes with the territory. You don't even think twice about it. Mm -hmm. So that's why your, your upbringing isn't so, isn't such a high concept for me to digest. It's kind of like, okay, I I get it. Mm -hmm. It's not like if you were like a complete dedicated person who lived somewhere else, for your entire life. And that, that could be a totally different experience. Yeah. Like if I had just Mm -hmm. grown up in Japan right, and then came back. Exactly. Yeah. And that's also, you're also going to carry that with you differently. It's not just a portion of your existence. It's all of your existence. Right. So you're going to have a very more, you're going to have a more focused Japanese culture, you know, background Mm -hmm. and that could, you know, be different. That Mm -hmm. there could be a lot of ways where that could be, you know, uh, unintentionally, you know, uh, not offensive, but friction causing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess, uh, no, my last question would be of the places that I've talked about or of the, cause we do also watch quite a few like travel shows and think, cause I, once in a while I get very like this weird feeling of homesickness and nostalgia and I'll be like, I want to watch a show that's set in Japan. And he'll be like, okay, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> that's fine. Um, or I'll watch like cooking shows in other countries and it's like oh that just fills me with so much happiness but um going back to the question of the places that I've either talked about or places no let's do talked about which one would you want to go to um well again this all comes back down to the context of going with somebody who knows the terrain mm-hmm. and you know that adds a huge weight on which place over another Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess, based on a lot of things you've talked about, it would be Japan I would want mm. to go to the most. That's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's, all, again, only because I would be with someone who kind of has an idea of how things operate, can communicate, can get around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing as, like, going to Paris, where it's like, I would have had a miserable yeah. time if I did not have that person with me. Right. You know. I just... To be fair, talking about big cities, I mean, with Japan, the thing is, I mean, it's not as diverse as some other places might be, but it is big city stuff. I mean, right. that's the thing is, is it probably, I don't know, I can imagine that somebody coming from somewhere like York or maybe Buffalo would have a really hard time yeah. because of the size of the cities and the way that the cities operate. Yeah, because that's it's, the thing they would focus on. They would be like, oh my yes. God, there's so many people. I don't, I can't even move around. It's like, yeah. You just got to go with it. Like, get past that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? just, just, just move. Go just on. Move. It's all right. Just go. Go in a direction. I keep walking. <laughs> Pick a direction and go. That's it. It was one of the pieces of advice my mother gave me when I went to London. She said, just walk around as if you know where you're going and you'll be fine. Yeah. I was like, yeah. It's just sort of true because people leave you alone if you look like you've got purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the greatest inventions when it came to, like, smartphones was being able to pull up a map on your phone. Yeah. Oh my God, what a life-changing experience that is. <laughs> like I would always oh, kind of like shake my head at people on subways that had the big map that they had unfolded <laughs> out for across three people. I'm like, guys, 
you're in the 21st century, please use this technology. <laughs> you stick out like a sore thumb with your paper map. Just it's on your phone. Just use the phone. <laughs> it's so much easier. Um, so then the second part of the question is not of places that I've talked about, or it could be a place that I've talked about, but what is a country that you've always wanted to go to that like really interests you? Uh, see, but that's when I go back, I revert back to comfort levels. So that's when the list becomes very, you know, linear in terms of like what I'm used to. So I would Mm -hmm. be like Italy, Spain, Australia, you know, like Mm -hmm. Scandinavia, all quote unquote Mm. white dominated countries. And it's like where English is kind of common Mm -hmm. because I can know going into it, I know it's going to be different, but for the most part, I should be able to get by. Mm -hmm. It won't be as Mm -hmm. difficult. It won't be as much of a culture shock. And it's like where my focus is more on like destinations and food. And Mm -hmm. whereas with Japan, you feel like you could step outside of that comfort because I've been there and I know what the culture is like. So I would have a land like you would know where to go, where to avoid, what to, you know, prioritize, because that's also a huge deal when you're visiting a country or visiting someplace you're not familiar with is prioritizing your time, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I think that is, that's something that's interesting to me because I haven't really been to Europe that much. Like I lived in France, but I really only went to France and England and I spent mm. a day or t- technically three days in the Netherlands, but I didn't really go around Europe while I was there. Mm. So like for me, it would actually be exciting to go to European locations because that's not what I got to grow up with. Whereas yeah. it would be almost nostalgic for me to go back to Asia and go back to East Asia because that's close. That's more what I grew up with. Sure. So it would be a very different visiting experience for me than I think it would be for you. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Uh, Marcus, did you have any other questions? Well, it's just one and it's, and it's a bit silly, but coming from moving from New York, to Buffalo. Do people in Buffalo walk slower in New York? And yeah. is it annoying? Everything is slower. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's like, oh man, you're going to get me started. No, it's just a, that's just a, a pace thing. You know, everything. Yeah. That's just what you're used to in a big city. Like New yeah. York gets it. Toronto gets it. Chicago gets it. Parts of California get it. And that's kind of it. Maybe there are other big, like, you know, minor cities that kind of operate that way, like Philly, but yeah. Once you get out of those zones, everything <laughs> slows down. Service slows down. Communication yeah. slows down. Walking. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely I, pick up on that right away. I, the one thing is, I'm sorry, it's just one of these things that gets me from coming from a big, from having been in big cities is that I always thought, you know, it's, it's terrible. Everybody's so slow. Why are they so slow? And I kind of thought, you know what? You can turn this into a positive. If there's ever a zombie apocalypse, these zombies will be so slow. You can outwalk them. You'll <laughs> yeah. be fine. Absolutely. You have plenty of practice navigating it. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. Oh, my gosh. The same thing with awareness, too. Just, like, anytime yeah. something's happening, like, I'm always attuned to, like, what's happening 360 degrees around me, whereas there are people I can tell when they're walking or doing something, all they know is, like, what's in front of them, and that's it. <laughs> and they're not prepared for anything to happen around them. It's like, man, I don't know how you're going to move through life going forward. <laughs> well, because they're they're used to the people in the space around them right. being, you know, th- th- kind of doing their own thing and and it's a smaller community. There's not that sense of like you got to be aware. Whereas in New York, like you always have to know what's going on. Not that yeah, you're I, necessarily in a, danger, no, but you have to be aware. That's what I mean, like not in a, in a danger sense. 100% of the time, but even just like being aware of your surroundings and like being in the way of somebody or, mm-hmm. you know, someone's trying to get by you in an aisle at a store. And it's like, there's no awareness of, oh, are you trying to, you trying to go over here? I should probably move out of your way. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Whereas I'm just yeah. like, oh, someone's coming from 10 feet from me. I should probably move out of their way before they get to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely slower. Yeah. Um, it it is something that I think we're still not used to, and no, we've been can. here. We've been here for a while. Speed and communication are the two things that it's just you notice the difference, and you kind of just learn to navigate 
through them. Like they're not going to yeah. change, and your perception of their speed and communication isn't going to change. <laughs> so it's no. just you know you have to just learn to go with the flow. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Well then, thank you so much for coming on today and doing this interview. It's been really fun. Thank um, you. Yeah. I feel like we've you know gotten into some really interesting aspects of like communicating with TCKs versus non-TCK, even though you're kind of TCK adjacent. Sure. <laughs> we can say. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you want to leave us a review, we're on Twitter under Passport Nessa one So that's Passport N-E-C-E-S-S-1. That's the one we got, so we're going with it. Um, you can also <laughs> reach out to us um, on Spotify. Please leave a comment or review. We absolutely love and appreciate that. It is huge. And um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Oh, also, if you want to follow um, Jay on Twitter, or myself on Twitter, <laughs> sorry, not Jay. Don't follow Jay. He will not respond to you. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Layla Janty, so it's just my first and last name. Marcus, I don't know if you have Twitter. No, not at the moment. No, that's okay. Might don't start one. <laughs> it's, it's a black hole. It's fine. Don't uh, avoid it. it. <laughs> Um, stories. Yes, it's it gets dark. Um, but thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.